0: Amen. Thank you, Rod. And if you have your Bibles with you today, uh, I want to encourage you to go to Romans chapter one. Uh, Those of you who listen to this on podcast or listen to our website, um, that's going to be the the base text that this is named after is going to be Romans eight uh, verses one or excuse me, Romans one verses 18 through Thirty-two and Rod is the text Rod shared in First Corinthians six nine through eleven. We'll get back to that one at the end. Uh, the reason I had a hard time picking, picking a text is because we're going to be this week just like last week, all over the place. Lots of scriptures. We're going to go to Bible school again this Sunday, and I got so that's why you should have got a handout this morning. And uh, it has been. It, there's actually data. I, I saw there's data for this, and I don't, I don't. Well, I shouldn't say that. I hear things. So, and I say that there's research evidence, but in this case, this was just, I heard things from another pastor. But they say fill-ins, there's empirical data that the fill-ins that you have are the best way to keep people's attention. You will stick with me through the whole message if you have a little fill-in that you have to complete. Because if you get through the whole service and you couldn't fill in your fill-in, some ways you'll def- feel defeated like you, like you were a failure <laughs> and you messed up. So, if you complete your entire worksheet with all those fill-ins, you can keep the pen, okay? The pen is yours, all right? Um, so I appreciate you following along with me. I wanted to make this a handout because, hey, this is a pretty important issue. Um, we really have not talked about this one yet. I, I, we have not talked about this in detail in my nearly nine years here. We have not gone into this yet. And it's been an issue. Um, if we have, you can tell me. I just don't recall, certainly don't recall going into it in the depth that we're going to today. And the reason why is because uh, at the end of June, we had uh, another denomination here where our church was consi- our church is considering joining. And I wanted to bring that to your attention again. For those of you that were here, we would love to hear your feedback. There are board members that would love to hear from you because we're going to uh, bring these things up in our upcoming board meeting. If you weren't at the meeting... We'd love for you to connect with someone who was or connect with a board member, connect with me. I'd be happy to fill you in on uh, what this was all about. And one of the, the, the overarching issue, of course, that, you know, when we, we consider one of the big issues, when we consider whether we would stay or whether we'd leave, of course, has to do with, with sexuality. Now, and so to deal to do a series like this and to have to get into these issues, I've actually spent the last two weeks setting this up uh, called, with a series called Cast the First Stone out of John 8, verses 1 through 11. Who had the stones in their hand in John 8, verses 1 through 11? There was a woman caught in adultery that, was, that would come forth, and who had the stones in their hand? All the people did. And Jesus, what, anybody tell me what Jesus said to them? He who is without sin cast the first stone stone so when we deal with issues like this we have to deal with them with great great humility and remember when we are talking about sin that we are also sinful people in need of a savior and we have to put the stone down and be men and women of god and ask the living god how should we approach these issues in such a time as this. And so the formula that the, the pattern that we've been talking about in the last two weeks is to first identify what Scripture says sin is. And let's keep the authority of Scripture at its highest point. And you're going to see today even what Jesus did with the authority of Scripture. But the second is that we also have to do what Jesus did, and that He distributed grace. So sin grace and then the third thing you can go back to that last slide I'm still talking about it the third thing but what does that mean for us as a church and what does that mean for us as individuals we have a responsibility with these issues how do we approach the, these issues as a church so we're discussing our responsibility as individuals and as a church but then fourth and foremost we must always learn how to do these things with an attitude and the undermining principle of love and so today we're going to get into the sexuality issue, and I had to do it. it was, there's no way we're going to tackle this in, in one week. So we're going to tackle sin and grace today. We're going, to, we're going to go through a lot of scripture, which is why I wanted to give this to you as a handout um, so you have some, so your, your bulletin sermon notes won't be as relevant because I, I wanted to, to redo this after we publish the bulletins. So you'll be able to follow along and have some basic scriptures and some things that maybe. You know, maybe you would feel worth talking about. You know, outside of church as well, and I'd encourage you to always talk about these things with some significant grace. And so, um, one more thing I want to uh, before uh, w- before I pray, just one more announcement. I realized I forgot. That right now, you know that your kid, many of your kiddos are down in children's church, and we also have a nursery available. We would really appreciate if we could get uh, some more volunteers for nursery come September. Usually, the commitment is just to serve one Sunday a month, and so if that is what you are if you are interested in doing that, please contact me. Just let me know or shoot me an email. Um, We're going to need some more help for nursery during the month of September. Okay. Big message today. We got to talk about this. Never talked about this. So let's make sure we do this with some grace, with some love, but also with the authority of the word of God and responsibility. Let's pray. Jesus, you are alive. And Lord, today we need your presence. We, it, w- today we're going to do one of those things where we try to wrap man's way of thinking, our way of thinking around biblical eternal truths. So anytime we do this, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need your discernment to understand what you are speaking to us today and how this applies to us in this moment. Lord, may our hearts be soft as we hear your word. Lord, may you speak to us and may we respond to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're just going to jump in here. I got four things I want to talk through when we talk about the idea of sin and and this issue of sexuality. So um, Nick's going to have a lot of scriptures up here for you, and you should be able to follow along pretty well with your handout. So the first thing we're going to get into on your handout is Leviticus and same-sex relations, okay? So here's what Leviticus has to say. Eighteen twenty-two. It says, "Do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman." That is detestable. Uh, Leviticus twenty thirteen. Man, if man has sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. They are to be put to death and their blood will be on their own heads. I always like to start service off with a real encouraging verse just to pump everybody up and make everybody feel really good. You know? So what is this all about? There are two NIV adjectives in the Old Testament. Um, I, I say a- adjectives because the, I'm going to give you the English words here, of course. The two words used to talk to discuss this are detestable and abomination. Those are your fill-ins, detestable. An abomination, and then what is the punishment for same-sex relations? The punishment for this in the Old Testament was, again, another encouraging thing to start service out with. The punishment was death. Yes, there's your other fill-in. So we got detestable and abomination. The punish for the, for this was death. I hope all of you here are encouraged that my sermon is not over at this point, right? There's more to say about this issue. There's more that Jesus had to say and, and, and how Jesus interacted with real people and not just words on a page, okay? But there was a standard that the law was set. So let's see. Uh, we're going to get to Jesus in a minute. But first, let's see what Paul did with this because there has been quite a bit of debate in Christian circles because of, of Paul's language. Where, so letter B says, um, Paul, and oh, going it, Brody, you were supposed to pay more attention to how to pronounce this word, because I'm going to butcher it. I practiced it Wednesday, and I didn't practice it again. Arsinochites is how it's pronounced in English, but that's not the, right way to, the correct way to pronounce it in Greek, I promise you. Um, Arsinochites, I believe, Arsinokites, I believe is how it's pronounced. Paul and Arsinochetes. Do I need to explain this? Do you guys already understand Paul and Arsinochetes? I knew you didn't. I understand. It's a Greek word, right? You've never ever seen this word before in your life. That's what it is. It is a Greek word. This is the Greek word that is in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. If you'll put that text up there, Nick. Here is the Greek word for homosexuality in in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? You've heard this one before. This is what Rod read. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, that's not where our Arsinochetes is, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. There it is. That's where the Greek word is. That's where Paul uses, we get our English translation out of men who have sex with men from Paul's word, Arsinochetes. And then he goes to, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So there's a bunch of other things, including greedy, including drunkards, including people who slander others, talk behind them behind their back in a negative way, all included in this same category. Let's not forget about this, church, when we talk about these things. And that that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Another verse, so it will be quicker with this one, First Timothy 1.10, same word there Paul uses for the, he's referring here to for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. I wanted to put the full text up there. Uh, I failed to do that in my notes. But this is just a reference to what, where Paul uses this word. Now, here's where this gets just a little bit tricky, and it really doesn't get that tricky, but people like to pick this apart, okay? This word, arsenokites, was a Greek word used and possibly made, is your blank, M-A-D-E, made by Paul to identify a male engaging in same-gender activity. What I'm trying to say here is that this, to, to most scholars' knowledge, they could not find this word ever being used here paul had come up with this how where did he come up with it well because the septuagint the septuagint what the septuagint is is the greek translation of the old testament okay they all had they were all familiar at the time of christ with a septuagint which would have been a greek translation you know a roman greco-roman way of understanding the old testament in their own language okay that's what the septuagint was and in the Greek, when you go to Leviticus, the, the, the two Leviticus verses that I shared with you, Leviticus 18.22 and 20.13, you peel, peel these two parts where it talks about koten, which equals lie with, and arsinos, which equals a man. A koten means lie with, arsinos means a man, and then Paul used this word to describe same-sex male activity. Okay? Now, this is where they all believe that Paul got this from, and this idea that he was communicating. Now, I share that with you, okay? And I'm just being truthful, because some of you can actually do whatever you want with this information. But I have sat and had lunch with Church Church of the Brethren officials, who have said, because Paul did what he did in this text, that this is not a valuable text for us to use. We cannot take this with the weight of Scripture. This was Paul's misinterpretation. This was Paul's mistranslation. What he was trying to say here is not accurate, that he really shouldn't have said homosexuality. We really shouldn't translate it that way because that word didn't really exist in the Greek. Yeah, but, Paul, but guys, why did Paul use this word? Because he has a point that he's trying to make. <laughs> We have to be very careful when we do these kinds of things with scripture. If we believe that God's word is fallible and in the authority of God, even the stuff that is written by Paul who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, we have to take Paul at his word as well. And Paul was trying to communicate something and and most scholars do believe that he put together two words here from the Septuagint in Leviticus to communicate this. And I'm I'm telling you that debate is out there. You go ahead and search for it on the internet. They're going to pick apart what Paul did right here in this text and say this isn't really you can't really use this because Paul kind of made up a word here but Paul had a point he was making okay Paul clearly wanted to say what he said and and so it wasn't a mistranslation it was Paul using this word parsing these words out of Leviticus to put a point to talk about human sexuality now going back of course to the Old Testament laws okay and again, I've, I'm just telling you the truth when I say I have sat with Church of the Brethren officials and they have actually told me that, that we cannot use this because this is what Paul did with this text. He took this, he made a word out of, two, out of something in Leviticus that wasn't already in the Greek language. He took two things together. Okay, Is anybody confused? Anybody understand what I just said now, what Paul did with this text? He had a point he had to make. So he used language, a Greek language from lying with and the Greek language of a man and put it in Scripture. Now, this is what Paul did. Now, I want to get into, before I get into, um, before I go any further with that, I'll have all of my notes here on that one, but I want to, there's another word that Jesus uses and Paul uses, and we're going to get to Jesus' use of this in, in the next one, is the word "pornia." It's not in your uh, handout anywhere. I meant to put it in there, but it's not in there. But pornea is a, a word that Paul and Jesus used. Oftentimes when you see sexual immorality, you see the word pornea. Now, you know what? Yeah. Here's what. And so Jesus actually uses this word. Now, this word means it can be translated as fornication, but The idea that it carries with it is selling off, to sell off your sexuality, to give away your sexuality in a direction that you were never supposed to give it away to. Now, we have this problem that is... That is happening in our culture now. With all, it starts with all these reality shows. It starts with, with posting our updated mood on Facebook and Instagram every time we want to. I'm feeling great now. I'm not feeling so sad because this happened. Happy because it's sad. because And, and, then, we, and then, then I see a lot of times that people will say something. And my wife knows that this bothers me. And maybe it doesn't bother any of you. And I'm sure some of you do this. So I apologize if I'm offending you. But we'll say something really intimate to someone like, I love you so much, and this is how much I love you, and this is how much you mean to me, but yet put it on Facebook for everyone else to see. I I don't really quite get that. Is it intimate to that one person, or is it you want everyone else's to hear your intimate expression to someone so the world can see? Well, I say that because there's a point there that In Jewish culture, they used to have this thing called the hoopah, okay? C H U P P A H is how we transliterate it in the English. The Hebrew hoopah. It was the place that the the Jewish couple would go, well, right after they got married. And you know what what they did in the hoopah? It was their private place, and everybody knew what was going on in there. And we don't talk about the hoopah. That's their place. That's their intimate place. That's their first place to be intimate. And see, here's what's happening now in our culture, is we're bringing everybody into the Hoopah. Let me tell you about, uh, let me share how intimate me and, you know, let's talk about all of this sexuality, and let's bring all of this stuff out into the open, something that was, was meant to be sacred between a man and a woman and now we're making a public festivity out of it. And this is the kind of language that Jesus uses about sexuality and about all that is taking place with even our sexuality today. We're continuing to, to, to sell off our own sexuality when it was meant to be something intimate between two people. And we keep finding ways to sell it off to others. And we're going to get into this a little bit more. But this is the language, pornea when he talks about immorality that Jesus gets into. So let's talk about Jesus now. See, Jesus and sexuality. Well, here's a, some basic things that Jesus said in Mark ten six through 9. Look at this. We're already almost out of time. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. The next verse, Matthew 27 through 32, important. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone looks who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body And for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it out. Throw it away, excuse me. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, listen to this. He who divorces his wife except for sexual morality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And we already get to the part, did I I not go far enough? Did we already read the part of anyone, yeah, or anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery with her in his heart. So, did Jesus raise the standard of sin or did he lower it in this case? He raised it, didn't he? He said he did not come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. And even in this text, he raised it. So a couple quick things real quick. We want to talk about this. God made them male and female. Those are your fill-ins. Jesus says one man with one woman. Keyword is one. And the point, even in the text that I just read, when he talks about divorce, is that there's problems occur, of course, when this order gets disrupted. Challenges occur when this order of one and one get disrupted. And I think we can come to just simply understand this. Now, I want us to consider what Jesus did, though. How did he respond to issues of adultery? How did he respond even to issues of divorce? We have examples of this in Scripture. They're right here. So we'll skip to grace first, okay? So here it says skip to grace. Jesus increased, should be a D on that word, the awareness of sin is your word. He increased the awareness of sin. He made it even harder in Scripture when he says, even if you look at someone lustfully, but then he also increased the distribution of grace. Grace is your next word. So Romans 5, 20 through 21, here's what it tells us. The law of was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's some examples. You flip your page on the other side. John 8, 1-11, with a woman caught in adultery. Does this woman receive due punishment for her sin according to Old Testament law? We've been talking about this text for previous weeks. There's my question to you. Does this woman receive due punishment for her sin according to Old Testament law? No. But what does Jesus tell her to do? Go forth and sin no more. Jesus distributes grace. In John 4, he talks to a Samaritan woman who had had many husbands. Does Jesus... Does Jesus uphold the the Old Testament law in this case? No. He extends grace to this woman and speaks life into her in this moment. See, the same thing with the woman that everybody said, how in the world is Jesus letting this woman wash his feet and cry at his feet? This is repulsive to people if they knew all the things that she had done. And what does Jesus do? He welcomes it. He encourages it, and he rebukes the religious people around to say, what the heck is wrong with you? This woman has come after me, and you guys want to stand around and judge her. See, Jesus pursues others with redemptive purposes who are caught and in some ways exposed with sin in their life. And that is the same call that each one of us has. We must be willing to pursue others with redemptive, redemptive purposes. Now, there's a lot still to say with this, and I'm I'm looking at the clock, and I knew this would this would happen with this series. There's, and I don't want to rush. I don't want to. So we're going to unpack Romans chapter one next week, and that's a very uh, important text. I wonder. If you could take home Romans 1, verses 18 through 32, and fill in those blanks yourself. What is happening to the truth in this text? What does Paul say in this text that God is doing? Now, I do, we can't close without talking about grace, though. So here's what it says in 1 Corinthians the text that, that Rod read and that I read again, it's been read twice now. And I want you to pull that verse up there for us, Nick. We find this language and right at the beginning of verse 11. The key language of grace in this text. And here's what it says. He talks about he talks about sexually immoral. He talks about idolaters. He talks about adulterers. He talks about men who have sex with men, our senechites. And thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers. And then what does he say about them in verse 11? What does he say? Who's he talking to in verse 11? He said, and that's what some of you were. You're up there on that list too. Now it's used in past tense. But there's a reality that this is what you used to be, but you've made different choices. But whenever we talk about these things, we have to take a look at a list like this. We like to point our finger at the one thing, right? Homosexuality. But we have to take a look at the whole list and ask ourselves, is there greed that I'm wrestling with? Is there drunkenness that I'm wrestling with? Uh, Is there you know, is there, there unfaithfulness that's going on? And, and, and you could just take, a there's so many other lists like this in Scripture that we have to turn this back. And you could say idolatry. I know idolatry was different in that culture. There was actually, you know, physical idols that they worship. But idolatry is really anything that you place in the throne rather than God. That is a bigger priority in your life than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that he's ultimately first. And Paul says, and that is what some of you were. So we're really all in this story together. It is is the fact that we have received distribution, a distribution of grace, that we are qualified to talk about these things, that we are qualified to, to serve in a manner in our church. We must be people who keep dealing with sin in our life, and receiving the grace of Christ, so that we can have the right heart and the right mind to love those the Lord has placed in front of us, no matter what is going on in their life. And so I've I've spoken from a biblical perspective today, but next Sunday we'll unpack a little bit of this Romans chapter. Uh, we'll unpack Romans chapter one, but then we're going to have to get into okay. What does this look like then for the church? How do we do this? How do we identify sin and do what Jesus did and keep the authority of Scripture at the highest point but also distribute grace and also have an attitude of love? How do we do this? That's what we're going to get into next week. So I hope you see that these are important conversations for us to have. There's important things for you to consider and for you to talk about in a way full of grace and full of love. And, and as we prepare and consider what some of our next steps for us as a church may be. So let's. Be, I just want to take, take a few moments. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Well, Lord, we find ourselves here again. Realizing that we are not outside of this story, but we are right in the middle of it. I mean, this isn't about pointing our finger at something. This isn't about saying, just saying something is wrong. It's about turning the finger back to ourselves and saying, this thing that's going on in me is wrong. And I need your grace again. I need your forgiveness again. I need your power so I can be reminded, I, I can experience that being transformed through the blood Lord, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your grace that meets us time and time again, and it's a gift to us. It's something that we don't deserve, but Lord, you give it to us anyway as we keep coming back to you. All across this church, I pray each one in this room would, would recognize what it means in this moment. To return to the living God. To come back in this moment. It could be identifying something in your life that you know you want them to work on. Saying yes to you in some area of their life. Or saying no to patterns in their life that have been destructive. Lord, may their yes be their yes today and their no be their no today. As they commit to you. All across this room, Lord, we thank you that your spirit is speaking to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, we'll pick this up uh, next Sunday. I want to invite you to stand for a brief benediction. May you go forth this week as a man or a woman of God who recognizes the authority of the word of the Lord, has accepted this authority in your life, but receives the grace that comes from the living God and is ready to distribute that grace to those that you interact with. God bless you and have a wonderful week.